0: starting a brand new series through the genres um, and we're going to be looking at the different genres that are within uh, the Bible that'll help us to understand how to interpret the Bible um, a little bit better. Uh, so as we do so, we're launching into the first one, which is uh, the genre of story. How many got a chance to read Genesis 30? Dave, always faithful to that. All right, Danielle. Excellent. No one else. Okay, that's fine. Let's see who's through Zoom land. Any who who got a chance to read thirty-two, Genesis thirty-two, the story of Jacob and Esau. No one on Zoom land either. So okay. (laughs) See, (laughs) see, that's the thing. It's like you know, there's a part of it that's that's the reality of all of us. It's like if we don't have accountability to some things we just won't do it right true true um yeah so genesis 32 the story of jacob and esau uh could we have someone tell us the story of jacob and esau who would like to do that No, they won't be able to hear it through the mic, um, unless I have you come up here and share it to Zoom land people, anyone, anyone, no volunteers, no takers. All right, so to not complicate things, I won't read the entire story um, here um, because I'm trying to look both up and down here. So I'll uh, give you a brief sort of overview of the story and then we'll dive into the genre of, of literature, which is story and how to read story, how to understand uh, these ancient ways of communicating. Um, and then we'll talk about its wisdom that's very important to us and could be very useful for us today. Um, so, first of all, the story of Jacob and Esau is as you know, that the two brothers, or you may not know, but uh, if you um, don't know, the story begins with Jacob and Esau being born as twins. And as Esau comes out first, uh, Jacob comes out second. The story says, grasping his brother's heel. And so he was given the name Jacob, which means supplanter, means one who deceives, a trickster, someone who grabs at uh, another in order to try to undermine them, You know, someone who might cheat in sports that kind of thing, to trip up somebody else in order to, to gain an advantage. So, right from birth, um, this happens. And Jacob, the story of Jacob is he's not really a kind of a person you'd want as a friend. Um, he is for him, in it for himself, very much so. The story is, I mean, if you've read the different parts of what, the you know, different things that he does throughout his life, he's the kind of guy that He's in it for himself, and he will do whatever he can to get uh, to get ahead. Um and yet, he's the one that God says, "I've chosen him." At least that's the what the author is saying. God's chosen him. And uh, so then time goes on, Jacob uh, deceives his dad in order to steal the birthright, which would mean a lot and meant, um, you know, larger portion of the inheritance when the dad would die, um, it would mean the belief that God's blessings would also come to you. And so Jacob deceives his dad when his dad's old, can't see anymore. Um, he he uh, fools his dad into giving him the birthright, the blessing. Esau is angry, and um, and so Esau then wants to kill. Um, Jacob. So then Jacob flees for his life. And uh, I mean, the story is just goes on with him cheating um, his father-in-law, trying to get ahead of his father-in-law after he marries uh, his, da- his daughter. Um, but the father-in-law is a pretty, pretty uh, uh, sneaky um, in it for himself kind of person too. So it's like both are made for each other. Um, Laban deceives Jacob, in a sense, by making him work for seven years to get his daughter, but then switches it out and gives him the daughter, the other daughter that he didn't want uh, for his wife. And the story just keeps going. I mean, this is just a really messy story. So uh, Jacob now is on his own. He's away from, you know, away from his brother. He's got now two wives, two concubines, uh, 11 kids, lots and lots of of, you know, sheep, goats. So he's becoming wealthy. Things are going well for him in that sense. God has promised him, "I will give you these things," and um, and they're coming true. Um, but then there comes a point at which Jacob hears that his travels, where he's going, where he's heading, he's about to intersect with Esau. And Esau and his men—they're pretty much hunters. Jacob is a sort of more of a farmer, and so Esau, as a hunter, with his boys, he, you know, there's no escaping. He's going to get caught. He's going to get, he's going to have to face Esau at some point. And he comes to this um, realization, like he, he's, he he hears that J- Esau's on his way to meet him. Um, and so Jacob then says, well, I'm going to divide things up. So he divides his family up. He divides them into groups that way. If one gets caught, maybe the other ones get away. And Uh, He comes to the river, the Jabbok River, um, and he sends his whole family across. First, he sends lots of gifts in advance, three kind of separate large gifts that Esau would encounter first. And and he did this in hopes that he would appease Esau. And then um, Jacob sends everybody off across the river. He stays behind. And the story is so strange because it says, and a man wrestles. It just, there's no like, and a man comes walking along. And, no, it's a man wrestles with him for the entire night. And he realizes, the stranger, this man realizes he cannot overcome Jacob. And so he touches the hip, whatever that means. He touches his hip. And it wrenches out of socket. Very, very excruciatingly painful. And still, Jacob will not let go. You see the two sides of that grasping? The grasping to take hold and to beat somebody else and to deceive somebody else. And also the tenacity that's within that. There's both. In all of our gifts, in all of our, in all of our weaknesses, in all of our darkness, and all of our light, there's always the other side to that. All right, and so he won't let go. And finally, this man says, Uh, let me go. I have to go because it's daybreak. He won't let him go. His, his, his hip is wrenched out of socket, and then Jacob says, uh, You know, please bless me. Please bless me. Do this. Then, uh, the um, this man says, What is your name? Asks him his name. Jacob tells him, my name is Jacob. And he says, you will no longer be called Jacob. You will become, or you will be called Israel, for you have wrestled with both God and man, and you have won. And then uh, Jacob realizes what has just taken place. He realizes that the entire time he's been wrestling with God. And then he names the place Peniel. Now, earlier, several chapters before, he'd also had an encounter with God, in a particular place, and he calls that place Bethel or Bethel, in the way that it would have been pronounced in Hebrew, which means house of God. Beth meaning house, El being, of course, the short version of Elohim, or just the short, or just the, the term that was commonly used in the ancient world among the Canaanites and others to refer to deities. So Bethel, house of God, now he's calling this Panael, Panai is the, the, the word that early part of that word is references to face. Um, And so, he sees the face of God, he says, in a sense, and I didn't die. Uh, So, whatever the ancient concept was, is if you faced God, you would probably be dead. Um, Today, we've come a long way, and we don't think that way as much anymore, but they did certainly back then. So, let me talk to you about the genre. First of all, it's a story. It's It's an ancient form of storytelling. In the ancient world, stories were not necessarily meant to be historically or factually the way we think of stories, factually true. Uh, they were meant to be told as they were both myths and legends. So a myth is something that is not true in terms of the details of it, but true in the sense of what it's conveying, the message it's communicating. Legends are have truth to them. The character did live, but it's just embellished and exaggerated as to what this person did. At the same time, roughly that we think, many scholars think that that this uh, Genesis was written, or at least not written, but maybe edited, maybe written down, but also very very much like edited and, and cobbled together with uh, the other books uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, many of them is during this period of time of Israel's exile, and uh, and then post-exilic. So roughly from five hundred eight five eighty six B.C.E. to right around probably two hundred. Uh, BCE, right in that span of time. Why? Well, because Israel's asking some big questions. Asking some big questions. And so story is one of the ways they would have communicated uh, and answered, the authors would have answered the big questions Israel was asking. So just to kind of to to, to help us, in terms of the literalism that sometimes people read the ancient scriptures with, like, well, did this literally take place? That's not the question the ancients were asking. And that's not the question that the author is trying to answer. It's not, did this happen? Um, But what keeps happening over and over again that that happens really in your life and in my life? So the story is meant to be a way for you to enter in. So the question that you might ask is, why did Jacob do that? It's the wrong question. Question is, why would I do that? That's the point of the story. That's the point of storytelling in the ancient world. Um, So uh, Greek uh, history back at the same time that Genesis is probably being edited and put together during that same span I've just told you about, were similar writings. It was like these myths and legends about ancients, about these ancient people and how the world began and all that. And so uh, the story is meant to bring you into it for you to begin to ask yourself in what ways do I grasp at things? Um, in what ways am I like Jacob? In what ways am I doing what Jacob did? And then as you begin to live into the story, the story becomes real at a deeper level. It's transformative to you. It becomes a way to organize your life to see, Oh, I see arcs. I see the same arc in, in, in Jacob, that I see in my life, fascinating. Now you may not like it, Jacob. It may not identify with him. Like I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be a supplanter. I wouldn't. Be. Okay, stay with it. You may discover that, in fact, there are some ways that you are similar, more similar than you would like to Jacob. So, what are the three big questions that are being addressed here? Okay, so the three big questions that Israel uh, was asking is what made them distinct and favored to begin with okay that's the first question what made them distinct and favored to begin with why did why were we chosen what about us made god choose to have favor on us so that whatever that is we can keep doing you with me like if you know if you know what got you the i mean we're all that way right even superstitious at times like geez this happened and that happened so maybe if i do that again, I'll get the same results, right? So, why, why were we chosen and why were we favored at the beginning? Uh, maybe we can get back to that. Uh, then the second thing is, <clears throat> uh, what is happening now? What's the, you know, explaining how uh, they got into the difficulty they were currently experiencing? You know, why this difficulty? What, how did we get here? That's the second question um, that's, that's addressed here. Uh, the third one is, how do we live, and this I said at the be- at part, part of the first one, how do we live in a way to get that favor back from God? If we lost it, if we were chosen at one point, what got us to be chosen? How did we lose it when we're in this difficulty? How do we get back? <laughs> you see that? That's the, that's the arc. And man, that shows up in our lives all the time, right? Like, how did I end up in this difficulty? How do I get out of this? Um, what was it like before when things were great or better? And so that's the question that they're asking. And this, by the way, you're going to see these this sort of three step question answered repeatedly in all the genres throughout the scriptures. So that'll be a kind of a unifying way for you to keep looking at the Bible. Is if that's the question that's being asked, that's probably the question that the uh, authors are trying to answer. So, how do I how do I then look at my own life in the same way? because these are the deeper questions that transcend time in history. It's not the smaller questions are the ones of like, you know, did Jacob really live? What, what, you know, uh, uh, you know, how did, um, you know, is Genesis really true? And I mean, these, people get into all these other, these are all suit. These are not interesting at all in the ancient world. That's not the questions they're asking. And it's so important that we find ourselves in this wisdom, in this tradition, because whatever was true for them is also true for us. We're asking similar questions. Um, okay, so uh, Jacob wrestles with God. So let's look at that in the in light of these questions and, um, and see the wisdom that's here for us uh, today. So first of all, the question of why were we favored to begin with? Any answers to that? Any suggestions? And if we have... Any Zoom suggestions in chat? I'll read those as well. Um, why was Israel chosen to begin with? Why are we chosen? Why are we loved? Why, how did God pick these people? Why did pick, God pick Jacob and not Esau? Why did God pick Abraham? Why did God pick, um, man, it's over and over again, it's always like the the, the The second person rather than the first person, the obvious person uh why did God pick david the the last of the children to be king, the last of his brothers, youngest um, any suggestions around that? <laughs> Kevin said, God is smart, he knows stuff, okay? <laughs> That's a good place to start. What else? So Danielle says, I don't know why I'm favored, why I am blessed, why I'm sober, why, you know, I have these things that God has given to me. So yeah, great question. Yeah. So um Judy says, you know, I, I didn't believe that I was loved when I was younger, but um, you know, reached out to God and had a a picture, an image or a picture, was it, or a painting or something, or yeah. And um just would look to it, pray and um for God to get you out of things. Yeah. So, Jackie, you said, Jackie says, God knows the plans he has for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all the things that God does. The question, though, is why? Right. That's the question. Okay. Jim says either no idea or some kind of BS. BS ego. Yeah. Okay. So Abby says that all you know, all are chosen. You know, and the goal is that it is for all to be chosen. So you know, we're chosen for the sake of the whole. Yeah. Any other thoughts before um, I make some suggestions as to why we're chosen? Well, that's uh, that's always the case in the Bible. It's, It's it's what they believe. It's not necessarily what's actually true. We don't. We don't know what's actually true. We're on a journey. We're on a path of discovery of what truth is evermore. Right. And there are things that ring really true in our souls. Like I experienced being loved by God or I felt it and it was so real that it becomes super true to us. Um, but yeah, they, certainly the authors did believe Israel was chosen. Jacob is chosen. Uh, David, King David is chosen. Um I mean, it's it's an it's an interesting thing of the characters who are chosen. But here's a here's so I'll I'll give this as a suggestion. Notice that the characters that are chosen are often um, the least likely are often um, people that are not really highly, not very moral, um, and uh, people that are often weak. So there's something in that. Like why choose those and not choose say? the elite, not choose those who are gifted and clearly going to be amazing leaders because they're so gifted and they're so like smart and they're so talented. Why not choose those people? Because that's the way we tend to think. But yeah, God chooses and deliberately chooses the least, the weakest, the least imper- the least perfect people. Um, and in part, we and this is all speculation, we actually don't ultimately know what what the reason is behind that. But what we see played out is that there is something about it that when we see our own weakness, the truth is that we all are, except that there's some that are really, that are highlighted in scripture because it's so dang obvious. Like Jacob, it's so obvious. He is not the character you would want to hang out with. He is not a moral dude. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, people are like, you know, would like to worship her because she's so humble and serene and special, but in the ancient world, she's just viewed as a pauper, a poor peasant woman. She's not viewed with that like, she's amazing, glorious, and all, It's, it's not the way she was viewed, and neither would it have been in the scriptural world, in the biblical world. She is a poor peasant because whatever her ancestry is, someone along the line was not that great. That's the reason why she's where she is. And yet she's chosen to be the mother of God. (laughs) That's how scripture puts it, the mother of God. And so there's something about it that has to do with your awareness of what's really going on. And this is what is played out in the story of Jacob wrestling with this individual, this being. Um, Jacob, wrestles with this man. And as I said, this man turns out, it just, it just shows up. The, the scripture doesn't set it up. It's just, and Jacob was wrestling or uh, Jacob wrestled with a man. And uh, this is a, a, a somewhat like a parable. This does not have to be taken literally, meaning that literally Jacob wrestled, God came in the form of flesh and wrestled with him. It could be. There's no reason why it couldn't be. But it's also no reason why that it has to be that way. Now, here's why I want to tease this out is because it's so important for us to understand what the author is actually communicating here is that there's this man that comes and begins to wrestle with him. And as you know, the story goes that the man wrestled with him all night long. It could very well be that what happened is this man came along who was traveling just like other people would have traveled in the ancient world and Jacob sees him. And as Jacob is right in front of the Jabbok river and rivers in the ancient world were demarcations between worlds, almost lands where God's lived and where, and this is that we call that the liminal space, threshold space, the space between spaces. These are the places in our own lives of disorientation. When something has happened to you that has disoriented you and whatever was in your current world can no longer function the way it did. And there's a major shift now, and you're going to have to cross over that river and get to the other side. And whatever ha- whenever that happens to you and to me, when we're facing something that is utterly disruptive in our lives, there are always people that are going to come along who will be God to us, who will be people who speak truth to us. And Jacob needed it like no one ever needed it before. Because Jacob has managed to make it happen. Now, the first point I want to make to us is that while we are loved and while we are chosen and while we are blessed, and that is our starting point, there is still a certain grasping that takes place within us to achieve the things that are already promised to us. And this is how the ego works. This is how the self works is that even though we are loved, we still try to earn love. Even though we are already blessed, we are still trying to achieve more blessing. We're still trying to grasp it. Abraham has promised a child, and what does Abraham do? It's not coming, and so I have to sleep with Hagar in order to produce a child. This will be repeated over and over and over in the narratives. See how this arc is so true in, 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 in the Bible, in the Old Testament? This happens over and over. What about Adam and Eve? You have everything you need. No, you don't. You're missing one thing. And then they eat of the fruit of the tree. Even though you have all of this that is yours, this is what the storyteller is saying from Genesis all the way to here, to this point, the beginning of Genesis to Genesis 32, you have everything you need. You're already blessed. God has already given you love. You're already chosen. And yet the psyche Still does this thing. And guess what? It's okay because we're all in this together and we're all doing this over and over again. Folks, we are always rasping at things. And that's what the author's trying to get across to us. And so, what does God allow? What's the arc of the story? Well, you will come to points of disorientation in your life, you will come to points of tremendous difficulty. And when you do, that space is called the liminal space, the threshold space. It is your opportunity. You can stay on that side of the river if you want, and you can fight it. Or you can say, "I'm okay, I'm willing to go. This is so unpleasant. I hate every minute of it, but I'm willing to cross the Jabbok River. But before I do, I'm probably going to have to have a bit of a wrestling match with myself. And you notice that there's a wrestling, and I've taken this from Father Richard Rohr, who talks about the three wrestlings that take place in that story. And I see it, I see it. It's the wrestling with the self. It's the wrestling with the world. And then finally you realize you're wrestling with God the entire time. So profound and so true. Because in that liminal space, in that space of disorientation, in that space of difficulty, in that space of the unknown, the cloud of unknowing, as some mystics called it, you don't know. You're stuck. You don't know. You're stuck in the space. But then what happens is someone comes along and it's, and I love that it's this man. And then suddenly it's the, it's the angel of God. It, it, it's so cool. right? right. Cause it's exactly how it works for us. I had a tough conversation with somebody and it troubled me and they pointed out some things that made me mad. But now I can see it was God speaking to me. How many of you have ever had that experience? Come on now. Right. You haven't lived if you haven't had that experience. That is so true, over and over again. I was rereading my uh, some parts of my journal this week from four years ago, and a close friend of mine pointed out several big habits of mine that weren't good, and I was so angry with him, and yet I loved him for it, and I could see he was telling me the truth. And it was in my liminal space that this took place. I was wrestling. I was frustrated. And he was there and he was willing to wrestle with me through that and pointed out several things and said, you do this, you do this, you do this. And instead of making me feel all warm and fuzzy because I was suffering and I was struggling, he touches my hip and wrenches it out of socket. He touches the pain even more deeply so that I can confront it and face it, so that I can see who I really am. What is your name? Dang it. Don't make me face me. What is your name? Supplanter. There you go. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. Isn't that beautiful? There's no, you dummy. Why have you been supplanting? What's wrong with you? There's none of that. There's only... What's your name? Are you willing to finally face it? We've been wrestling all night long. Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's who I am. Good. I'm going to change your name. And he transforms in the liminal space. Didn't you want transformation before you get there? Like, can we just skip this whole, like, piece? Because this piece is really rough. Can we just get past it to, you know, the good stuff? No. No, that's what the liminal space is for. You're going to face Esau. You're going to have to face him. There's no escaping that one. And so he crosses the river given a new name and he says oh my goodness and then he crosses the river and as he crosses the river and he makes his way to esau esau says come here brother he hugs him and kisses him esau breaks down like i've been fighting this internal beast it turns out that the one that i was fighting all along was not esau i was fighting me i was fighting god that's what I was fighting. And then you finally learn to rest in the truth that you're already chosen. But you have to see you have to see that part of yourself. That's also part of the process. And I love that. God's bias is towards the poor, the weak, the imperfect. Because it's there that you can understand just how loved you are, and you can, start to let go a little bit of the grasping and lean into the receptivity. I'm already chosen. I'm already loved. Hmm. So see how, empower- how powerful this story is. Like whether it's people get caught up in these stories of like, you know, yeah, Jacob wrestled with God. And, you know, this sort of, Uh, You know, skipping past what could be such richness and depth and just, and, and people have asked, like, how do you have these insights into this? The only way I have these insights is because I put myself in the story. The very thing that I tell you that the story was intended to do is what I end up doing and have been doing for a while with preaching is like, how is this, you know, oh, wow. Yeah. I had this conversation with this guy. And he did point out some things I didn't like. And then later on, I realized it was God. Oh, oh, that's good. That's what's happening here in this story. He's wrestling with a man all night long. It turns out to be God, <laughs> right? Not did this really happen? Was it an angel? Was it all this, all this scholarly stuff that people do? It's like, no, 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 no. You're missing the whole point. The whole point is that, is this really true at a deeper level? It's true. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why it offers us so much opportunity for growth. It orients us. It helps us to know where we are. Like, oh yeah, I'm there. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. (laughs) I'm at the stage of still fighting against people. I still think everybody else is the problem. (laughs) Or I'm really down on myself, beating myself up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And eventually you'll get to face yourself and you'll realize it was God the whole entire time and And transformation will be complete, and now you can cross the river. And then off you go, and now you're Israel. But you're walking with a limp now. You're walking with a limp. But there's a depth to you. And you notice a distinct shift in him after that point. Distinct. He's no longer grasping. He's at peace.